Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So we are in a series called Big Butts of the Bible. And uh, this is the fourth week. And so the first week we looked at not anxiety, but peace. We looked at a scripture from Philippians 4 that says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we looked at it's not meant to be anxiety that we walk in, but peace. And if you struggle with anxiety and if you struggle with your thinking and you struggle to be positive, I'd encourage you to listen to that message online because that is uh, an encouraging one for you. Week two and three, we looked at not seven times, but 70 times seven, which is a passage in the Bible where Jesus basically tells us that we need to forgive anytime, every time we're offended. All right. So if you, this is probably one of the most key things in life. Anybody here ever not been offended by somebody? Les has never been offended. Oh, no, he has been offended. Okay. <laughs> no, but we've all been offended. We've all had things happen to us. So the reality is how we deal with being offended or being hurt or being slighted is really important. So weeks two and three, I'd encourage you to look at that. Last week, Casey shared a message called Not a Fan, But a Follower, and he talked about what it means to be a true Christ follower. So today, I'm going to look at a passage called and it, the message is called, but you will receive power, but you will receive power. And I want to start off by talking about distraction, distraction. You know, we, we, uh, we have a distracted driving law for a reason, right? And, and because, you know, prior to that, you drive by people and they, they had their phone and they were texting and calling while they're driving, you know making coffee, whatever, right? Like people were busy putting on makeup. I remember driving by people and I think they still do that. I'm watching a guy like shave as he drove. Yeah, like seriously, I mean, you can do this and drive with your knees. Like this is the kind of thing. So distracted driving. Now, I'm going to get really serious for a moment though about this. Um, Distracted driving or distraction period can take lives. And now case in point, Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos crash, right? And that was terrible. I mean, there were, there were um, 16 people killed and 13 people injured, primarily of the Humboldt Broncos Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League team, right? It was awful. And they had, the, they had the memorial yesterday. And so this is the kind of thing that, that makes us realize that we can't be distracted. You know, the driver, I feel for the driver, he, he just got eight years in prison for this. And his he, he, 29-year-old Jaskarit Singh Sidhu, he's from Calgary, actually. He's going he's gonna to be eight years in prison, and then he's going to be deported back to his homeland because he has a criminal record. So he's paying a high price as well. Um, not intentional. He had no intention of killing those people. What happened was he was driving down the road, apparently, and there was tarps. He was a new driver. There was tarps on the back of his truck, and they were flapping. And he was worried that they were going to come off completely. So he was, can you picture this? This is how I picture it. He's driving in a new area he's never driven in, and he's a new driver, and he's trying to keep it all together, and he can see that the tarps are flapping. So he, he's looking back, right? He's wondering, should I stop? What should I do? Am I going to lose the tarps? Do you understand? And in the process of all of that, he missed the signs. 
he missed the signs telling him there were several signs that said, you got to stop. There's a stop sign coming up, and he missed it. And he ended up driving through right into the path of the Broncos bus, right? No chance to respond. I mean, it's a horrific, horrific story. But when I was thinking about stories of distraction, that one came to mind. Obviously, it's very, very current. Distractions can, can lose lives. When we're distracted, lives can be lost. And that's why we have to pay attention when we drive because we're driving a piece of equipment that could kill people. And so we know that. But, but on a spiritual level, distractions can cause the loss of life. Let me give you an example. Uh, back in, uh, in Medicine Hat, where we lived for 10 years, um, our church there, when we first started, I had a, and I might have shared this here before, um, when you're around for a while, you, you tend to rehash some stories, but there's always new people who are impressed. So I just share them, okay? So if you've heard this story before, don't worry about it. You know, hopefully it'll still stir your heart. Maybe you haven't heard it, but it, it's, a, it's one that really touches me. So we, we, had, uh, we were on a, a street called Dominion Street. So we had a program that I started. It was called Taking Dominion. The idea was that we would go down that street and we would show the love of Jesus to every house and every person on that street we get to know them we get to be involved in their lives and we wanted to share the gospel with them so this was our goal and so I did that I mean I spent hours on that street talking to people getting to know people and one time we had a team coming in from uh, Regina the church in Regina that's part of our network and and they were coming to serve and to show God's love to that community and, and so we friend and I we went down the street house by house by house, to find houses where they would need some work done, right? Because we wanted these, this team to have work to do, you know, cut lawns, you know, do some cleanup, whatever. So we went down the street. So I remember we were going down this street, and we stopped this one house, and there was a guy named George that lived there. And I had not met George before this. I knew a lot of the people on the street, but I had not met George. So I remember we knocked on the door. George came to the door. He had... He had um, you know, like an air tube, an oxygen tube, and a tank. And he obviously was sick, right? He obviously uh, wasn't doing well. And so he comes to the door, and you can tell, right? And so we said, um, hey, you know, we're from the church, and we have a team coming, and we'd love to, you know, bless you by cleaning your yard. And he says, you know, my yard is clean, and kind of looked around and thought, yeah, he's got someone doing that. Like his lawn was cut. He didn't have a lot of work to do. But then he stood there. It's still hard for me to share this story. He stood there and he said to me, do you want to come in? And I mean, he was sick. He had an oxygen tube. And he's going, do you want to come in? Like he's probably lonely. And me, being the very focused person that I am on my task at hand, thought, oh, I'd like to come in, but we got to get this done. We got to go down the street. We got to get these locations for this team. You know, I'm, I hate to even admit this, but that's how I was thinking. And here's this guy, like, give me a break, right? But I'm, I'm thinking, and I said, no, I can't right now, but I'll come back, right? Like, in other words, not today, but I'll be back. I'll, I'll come back and see you. And so he says, oh, okay, that'd be great. I said, okay. So we went on and we set up some things and the team came and did their thing. And then they left. And actually, I was away for a bit on a little break. It wasn't super long, but I didn't forget him. I came back. It was 
probably two weeks later, maybe less than two weeks. And I thought, I'm going to go see George. I remember I took a guy with me. I'm heading down the street. And uh, I was walking by his neighbor, Jack. And I knew Jack. I talked to Jack a number of times. And, I, and he said, where are you going, Ian? And I said, oh, I'm going to go see George next door. And Jack said, well, you, you won't be seeing George any, anytime soon. And I said, well, what do you mean? Well, he passed away last Thursday. <laughs> I just stood there. And I just thought, what? He goes, yeah, no, he, he died. And I was like, I, like I feel it today. <laughs> I thought, and it just the reality of the, the guy I was with trying to come for me, but I just, I thought, you know, I don't have a chance to talk to him. I mean, I don't know where he was at with Jesus. Did, did, was he a Christ follower? Did he have a relationship with Jesus or or? I, I didn't know, and I never had a chance to know. I, 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 can't, I couldn't know, and that has stayed with me. I'll be honest. I mean, I've repented. I've asked God to forgive me for being so obtuse and not seeing the opportunity right in front of me and not being, you know, in the moment and being so caught up in my focus that I didn't even see someone right in front of me. Like, seriously, when I look at it now, and I've asked God many times, and I believe he's forgiven me, but it still stays with me, and it still reminds me that what we're in is important. And that lives are in the balance. If we believe that the gospel is real, if we believe that without Jesus, there's an eternity in hell that is there. And and, and honestly, nowadays, we don't like to talk about hell. We really don't. We don't want to talk about those harsh realities. But the reality is, it's true. If we believe the gospel, then there's a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. And there are people that are moving towards hell at this very time in our city. Neighbors, family, colleagues, co-workers, they're like unaware and they're marching along towards an end that's going to that's gonna have them fall into hell. Seriously, I, we need to think about this. And I don't know about you, but I can forget about this. Sometimes I don't want to think about it. I don't know if you're that way, but I am. Sometimes I like to believe it wasn't true. But yet, if we believe in God's grace and we believe that there is sin and there has to be a price paid, then we have to believe that in God's justice, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And we have the truth. We have the good news. So that distraction, when I look at that distracted moment for me, I am not sure where George is today. I don't know. I can't, I can't know. But I'm going to let it stir me to look at the opportunities in front of me, to say, God, how can I show your love to the people around me? You know, um, Stefan Molyneux, he said this, distraction serves evil more than any other mental state. (laughs) I don't know. That's pretty heavy. But he's just saying, when we get distracted from what's most important, we can actually get offside. So here's the bottom line I want to share with you today. I'm going to share some stories from the Bible. Here's the bottom line. We need to avoid distractions and remember that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what Stephen Covey said. The main thing in life is to keep the main thing the main thing. And as believers, I want to encourage us as Christ followers to keep the main thing the main thing, which is to show God's love to those around us, to guide them towards understanding who Jesus is and to having a personal relationship with him. In Acts chapter 1, here's my passage, and here's where I come to, but you receive power. You're going to have to follow along. You can look on your phone, Acts 1, 4 to 9, or just listen carefully, and I'll share this with you. Here's what's happening. Jesus has just um, died and risen again from the dead. And what happened after is... Can you imagine 
being one of his disciples, thinking he was dead, thinking that he was gone for good. He resurrects, and then he begins to appear in different places. Like they'd be in locked doors in a room, and Jesus would show up. Jesus would show up. And, and they'd be like, oh my goodness, it's Jesus. He's alive. And one time, you know, Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, who, who didn't believe that he was resurrected? We use the term today, he's a doubting Thomas. Well, it comes from the Bible. He was doubting, and Jesus, Jesus knew that, and Jesus said, here, Thomas, put your hands in the nail holes and, you know, feel the nail holes in my hands. See, this is me. And Thomas said, my Savior and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and don't see, right? Thomas had to see to believe. And so Jesus started appearing to them. So he gets ready to leave. After the 40 days, he's going to go back into heaven. And so here's what he says to them. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, here's what they were asking. They were hoping that Jesus was going to free them from the Romans, okay? The Romans were, were oppressive, and they were at the height of their power. The, the Roman Empire was vast, and, and Israel, the Jews, were under their power. And so all along, to be honest, with Jesus, even his own disciples were hoping that he'd rise up, lead a bit of a rebellion, and, and overthrow the Romans. He, they were hoping, you know, before he died, that he'd be the king. And he would actually uh, reign. And that's why they, they welcomed him into the city when he was riding in on a, on a donkey. That's why they were cheering for him. Because people thought, this, this is the leader that's going to free us from Rome. Well, then he dies. And, and he's, it's over, they think. And yet he, he comes back to life and then he appears to them. So they're, they're coming to him and they're saying, Jesus, are, are you going to restore Israel as a kingdom? And Jesus says this to them. Now listen to this. He says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Here's the big but. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is their own city, in Judea, which is the region, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, you're going to go everywhere. Christians are going to go everywhere, which we see today, isn't it? There are believers in our country. There are believers in other nations. There are believers in Kenya, where I, where I just talked about. And so Jesus is saying, this is what you need to do. So here, here's the reality. This is the point. This is the crux of my message. They're thinking one thing. They're, they're focused on now. They're focused on Israel. They're focused on their nation. They're focused on the Romans. They're focused on the government. They're focused on what's happening around them. Do you understand? And they're saying, Jesus, are you going to work in this situation? And he's saying, I don't know the times of the Father. I don't know uh, when, when, when all this will happen, but here's what I do know. I'm going to give you power. You need to wait for it. And then I want you to go in all the world and be witnesses of my of my good news. That's what I want you to do. I don't want you to get bogged down in the times and the seasons and, and what's happening here. I want you to focus on the main thing, which is witnessing of my power and greatness in the world. Now, how does that apply to us? 
I think if I look at my life, I've had times, obviously, where I have forgotten what my main focus should be. I've gotten concerned about times and seasons. I've gotten all knotted up about the government. I've gotten all knotted up about current conditions. You know, I know people that their biggest thing in life is trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back, trying to figure out what the Bible says about that. They're all into theology and all these heavy, deep things. Listen, Jesus was clear. Look, don't, don't get all caught up in all that. Don't, don't, don't get all distracted by all of that. Keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is go in the world and be my witness. That's the main thing. And so that's the crux of what I want to talk about. How do we do that? How do we make sure that we're keeping that focus in our lives? And how does that look? Is that, is that complicated? Is that a difficult thing? And actually, I want to say this. I don't believe it is. I don't believe it's complicated. I believe it's actually the greatest joy for any of us if we can be a witness, if we can carry the good news into our daily lives. Let me give you a story from the Bible, Acts chapter 8, and then we'll listen and, and, and talk about some, some actual things happening right now. Acts chapter 8. So this is what happens in Acts 8. There's a, a man named Philip, and he was someone who was really aware of what God was saying. He was... He was a devoted Christ follower who was listening to the Holy Spirit and wanting to be led by God every day. And so this one day, an angel of the Lord says to him, now, I've never had an angel say anything to me, okay, which is okay. Um, that's pretty extraordinary to have an angel. I don't know how that worked. I don't know if it was physically in front of him. He just heard a voice. I'm not sure, but he had an angel. So this is pretty supernatural. Uh, it says to him, go to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And I, I want to just focus on that. He started out. So he gets, he gets a, a direction from God. Hey, I want you to go here. Now, he could have wondered. I don't know how you would wonder, but I would wonder right away why. W would you wonder why maybe? Uh, you need to go to this road. I think my first question would be, well, Why? Now, he doesn't ask why because he seems to trust God's voice in his life. So he's, he wants to be obedient. Okay, I'll go to that road. And so he starts out. He just takes a simple step of faith. I don't know about you, but sometimes I psych myself out because God says, you know, take this simple step, you know, obey me. And then I go, well, why? And I think it all through and then I don't do anything. Anybody ever done that besides me? Okay, thank you. Some people are... Thank you very much. So, yeah, right? I just psych myself out, and I don't do anything. So he, he starts out, simple action, and on his way, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of, of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. So this guy is like a government official. And he'd gone to Jerusalem to worship, so he had an understanding of God, but he didn't yet know fully about Jesus. And on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Can you ever picture some of this, sitting in his chariot, reading the Bible? I mean, and, and what would the Bible have looked like for him? You know, big scroll. Like, just picture this, right? I mean, you know, he wasn't using his, his iPhone. He had some kind of scroll. He's, he's reading the book of Isaiah. And, and keep in mind that in that time, they did not have the New Testament yet, right? They only had the Old Testament scriptures. So, and, and, and the New Testament's being developed as they speak, because they're living in that day where Jesus has just, um, you know, gone back to heaven. And so, so 
the man's sitting there reading the book of Isaiah, and the Spirit tells Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So he's really being led here, right? So he, you know, goes up by the chariot and stays near it. And he hears the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Amazing timing. Seems like God knows the timing, right? And so the man's reading Isaiah the prophet. And so Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, how can I? Unless someone helps explain it to me. Well, I guess that's why Philip's there, right? God literally sent Philip to explain it. So he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip's sitting in the chariot with this man. And so this is the passage that, that, they, that he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So the eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? So with that, Philip begins to share with him that, no, this is, this is talking about Jesus. And here's what happened. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He died for your sins. And you need to give your life to him. Do you understand? He's, he goes into full. This is the gospel. This is what needs to happen. So then they, this is an amazing story. They come to some water. So obviously the chariot's moving now. So as they're going along, picture it again, you know, <laughs> sitting in the chariot, talking about Isaiah, there's some water. So the eunuch, who's now heard um, the gospel and knows that you're, you're supposed to repent of your sins and then be baptized, that's what the Bible says, repent and be baptized. Water baptism is important. He goes, he sees the water, he goes, well, there's some water, Philip. What's stopping me from being baptized? Can I be baptized? And Philip said, no, did you bring your extra shorts and, you know, your towel? No, he didn't do that. No, Philip said, and, and, yeah, of course. And so he gave orders to stop the chariot. So they stopped the chariot. And then they go into the water, both of them, and Philip baptizes the man. Do you realize how instantaneous this is? Like, this is like saved, baptized, like, boom, right? Sometimes we think, well, this takes months and weeks and years. No, it took like 20 minutes maybe. I don't know. And so the man's baptized, and when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly takes Philip away. Isn't that wild? This is another one of those stories I want to watch in heaven in the special stereo uh, video room. I want to watch this. I want to see what that looked like when Philip took off. Like, whew. I don't know. It's supernatural. He, God just took him to another place. And so anyway, Philip leaves, and the, and the, the eunuch doesn't see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Like, all excited, like, wow, something supernatural just happened. I gave my life to Jesus, and I got baptized. Powerful stuff. And Philip, it says, appears at Azotus and travels preaching the gospel in another town. I mean, it's a supernatural event. Some people call that Philip's transport. You ever heard that term? Philip's transport. Just a supernatural, you know, he was here, then he was here. How many people wish we could do that today? I haven't thought of that. Lord, can we do that? I want to get to England, you know. Hasn't happened so far. Anyway, so, so God does this. My, what's my point with this? My point is Philip heard God leading him, and he started stepping in the direction of where God was leading, and as he did, God opened doors and used him to touch someone's life. Now, I remember back as an 18-year-old in Lethbridge, Alberta, I used, in Lethbridge, I used, to, I used to go out on the streets and I, I was just really into that. And I would go on the streets and just kind of just be available to God. I remember one night, 
downtown Lethbridge. I was with another guy. We were walking around, and I was just trying to be sensitive to what God was leading me to do. And I remember I felt God leading, kind of like this. I felt him leading me a certain direction. So I remember going down by a place called Anglo Stereo and Photo. doesn't exist today. But I remember going there. There was this guy in the shadows just standing there. It was near the bus depot. So he had just gotten off the bus. He's standing in the shadows. And I felt the Lord tell me, you should talk to that guy. So I went up to this guy. Well, it turns out he was a bike, part of a bike gang, and he was actually going to prison. I'm not sure why he was on his own, but anyways, like a voluntary, he was, he was responding, going to prison. Anyway, I was able to share Jesus with him and stay in touch with him when he went to prison. It was quite amazing. But I remember marveling at how God had guided me to that person. He'd led me to that individual and, and because I was open. And sometimes I wonder, like, if I was more open to what he wanted to do, what would he guide me to do? What, what might I do in my life if I was more open to just stepping out? You know, our mission statement as a church is that we want to introduce God's transforming love into your life, our community, and the world. We want to introduce God's transforming love into your life. So in other words, we want people in this church to sense God's love, to be changed by his love, to know he cares for them. But then we don't want it to just stay here. Like we need to be transformed, but then we want that to go into our community, friends, neighbors, relatives, and then the world, like Kenya, like places that we minister in or have, have impact on. And so that's our goal. But the only way it's going to happen, sometimes that can seem really lofty and way out there. But let me just say something. It can be as simple as just being available right here, right now, and saying, God, use me. And I want to ask Kirby to come up and just share a simple story with you from last week with his life group and just, just something that happened that I think kind of illustrates being available. Okay, so a couple of weeks back, uh, Randy and Bonnie, who lead the life group, uh, asked if we wanted to go to the mall as a group and just pray for people, do things, walk around, see what happened. So last week, last Tuesday, uh, the four of us, Randy, Bonnie, um, Barb Pincombe, myself, went to Market Mall. And Randy and I paired up and we just started walking one way down the mall and the ladies went the other. And so we're going, well, what are we looking for? And I just said, well, Maybe somebody that just needs some help. So we walk down the, the mall a ways, and we're kind of busy yakking it up because we're, we're good buds. We like each other's company. And uh, uh, we get down to one of the sort of bigger open areas where TELUS had their, uh, their booth set up. And I'm kind of going, well, these guys are just going to pounce on us. I know they are. That's their job. They're sales guys. So we get close to them, and sure enough, there's, there's one young man steps out, starts talking to us, and uh, he's, uh, he's a black guy. He's from Africa. He's got a really cool kind of short dreadlocks and little gold thingies in his hair here and there. Don't ask me why I remember that. Picture that. No display. I'm working it out, okay? And um, so he starts chatting us up about, well, you know, what's your cable bill? You with Who are you with? And uh, all this, this kind of stuff. So Randy straightens him out right away with his bill and says, well, this is what I got and this is where I'm staying. But of course, I had to sort of fess up and tell him how, what the exorbitant price was that I'm paying for Shaw Cable and the, the channels and all that kind of stuff. So he starts kind of working on me. And um, 
I thought we kind of had him shut down, but I could sense him off to my, to my left, and he kind of took another run at me with his sales pitch. And uh, so we were kind of talking, and he went to get some information. And I said to Randy, I'm just going to pray for this guy. We'll see what happens. And Randy said, are you sensing anything? And I went, no, not a thing, but I'm just going to do it. So this guy comes back, and, and I thank him for the info, and I kind of shake his hand. I say, you know, you're really a very personable, nice young man, and it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Can I pray for you? And he goes, I'm not a Christian. And I say something like, well, we can get that fixed. <laughs> and he goes, okay, I like to be prayed for. I'm a Muslim. And I went, okay, great. So I prayed for him. I, I have no idea what I prayed, really. Randy might remember. I don't. Uh, something about maybe being walking in the paths of God all the days of his life and, you know, living a righteous life and, and that kind of stuff. And that was kind of it. So as soon as we left, because we hadn't done it before, we prayed protection over ourselves because he told us he was going to pray for us. And he got our names later. said he'd pray for us in the evening. So we prayed protection over ourselves and kind of went on our way. And that was it. Really simple. It was kind of a lot of fun. Can we do it again? That's right. That's right. Yeah, give him a big clap for sharing. So when I talked to Kirby, Kirby told me about that. And when I talked to him about coming up and sharing, he says, yeah, I don't know. It's not really that big a deal. And I said, no, it is. See, here's the thing. We need to understand this. We think the big deal is, you know, if I led someone to Christ and they fell down in the mall on their knees weeping, and receive, which would be fantastic, but if, only if it was that. Other, other than that, you know, if it was just that I prayed for somebody or I, I just stepped out, it, it doesn't mean a lot. Well, let me just say something. That's not true. See, when it comes to people's faith journeys, it's like a, a chain link fence in my mind, like a, a chain, a link at a time that, that brings them closer. So your prayer, your representation of what a believer is, your care for them might be the next link in them understanding who God is. You might not get to share the full truth of Jesus dying on the cross, being resurrected, paying the price for the sins. You might not get that, but you might actually represent Jesus to them in a way that draws them one step closer. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have to think that way. We have to think, God, so honestly, God bless you guys. Because here's two things they were doing. One, they were available. They were walking the mall, kind of praying, obviously having a good time too, but they were open. They were saying, God, is there something here for us? Is there, is there a person we could pray for and bless? And when they entered into that discussion, saw it as an opportunity, which it is. So, so I want to encourage you with that. Jesus actually um, thought of this as well in his life. I mean, we, we pattern ourselves after Jesus when we think this way. Jesus, Jesus did some radical things, like healing people on the Sabbath, which was apparently taboo. Can you imagine? Like the, the, the religious, legalistic people said, you shouldn't do a good thing on God's day. You shouldn't heal somebody by God's power on God's day. They were angry about that. Wow, that's <laughs> hard-hearted. But they were, they were angry. And so they say to Jesus, who gave you the right to do this? Why are you healing people on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, well, my father is always at his work to this very 
day, and I too am working. So Jesus says, I and the Father are connected. He's always working in people's lives. He's always touching hearts, working in people. I'm connected with him. Therefore, I'm always working too, and I'm always on. I'm always available for what God has me to do. Let me say that. Not available to just what anyone else wants or to run my life ragged, but I'm available to what God is calling me to do. That's what Jesus is saying. So it says they tried all the more to kill him for breaking the Sabbath. Can you imagine that trial? Why is he on trial here? Oh, we healed a man who had been, who, you know, who couldn't walk, who was disabled. He healed him and he's evil because of that. That's how they were thinking. So Jesus, Jesus then gives them one more answer. And he says, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So, so he, he, you know, Jesus throws his father under the bus, so to speak, in a good way, right? They're saying, why are you doing this? You're a bad man. You shouldn't have done this on the Sabbath. Jesus says, hey, listen, I'm not to blame. I, you know, I only do what my father does, and I saw that this is what he wanted me to do, so I did it. So if you want to blame anybody, kind of blame him. I mean, in a way, he's kind of doing that. But that's the pattern for you and I. The pattern for you and I is, Father, what are you doing today? And how do I follow you in it? See, this takes away the pressure of having to do certain things or having to live a certain way or, oh, I must do this or I better get out there and share with people or I better do more. If we're listening to the Father and have a relationship with the Father and saying, Father, what are you doing today? And how can I follow you in doing that? How can I make a difference in the life of someone else today? How can I have impact today? Who will you guide me to? See, again, this is not difficult if we're aware. I think about, like lately, I shared a couple weeks ago how I was uh, having breakfast with someone. And uh, it was as simple as, as I watched the waitress were, you know, interact with us, I just sensed God's heart for that person. I sensed God's heart, for, God's heart for her, and I sensed it was like God really loved her and had a purpose. So I asked her, I said, so what else do you do? And she told me, and then I said to her, well, you know, I just, and I told her, I said, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I love God, and I just sense his heart for you, like he really cares about you, and he has a purpose for you. And uh, I just wanted to tell you that. And that he's close to you. That, that if you ever want to call out to him and you need his help, just he's close. Just call in the name of Jesus. Like I just shared this so simply, right? And she goes, oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I believe in the universe. And, you know, she's telling me what she believes. I said, no, that's, that's fine. But just remember this, right? And then that was it. And it was done. It was so simple. I know a friend of mine. We were with uh, uh, some friends of ours recently, a couple months ago. And they took us out for a meal. And... Um, they said this to the waitress. This was so cool. They said, in a few minutes, we're going to be praying here before we eat. Is there anything we could pray for you about? This is the coolest thing. And uh, Val and I were just out for dinner last night with our son, and we forgot on the front end of that. We said, oh, we should pray for, oh, we should ask. Oh, we didn't. So anyway, but my point is that was so cool. And she actually said, she stood there, and she said, well, and she told us. She opened her heart and told us something in her life and said, you could pray for that. And we said, we'll pray for that. So when we prayed for the meal, we prayed for her. Now, what does that communicate to that waitress? I mean, people that love God care about me. God cares about me. 
maybe prayer works. Do you, do you understand? It's, it's such a simple seed. I think my heart is, this is not complicated. We just need to be aware. We just need to be engaged and not distracted like I am many times. Not thinking about the people that are around me. Here's another thing you could do, and this is something I've done for years. I have stayed with the same hair cutter for years. Some of you look at me going, that's the problem. You know, he needs more variety. <laughs> no, I, I'm there. Yeah, anyway. So in Medicine Hat, I was there 10 years. And I had the same hairstylist for almost 10 years. Now, think about this. You got to think strategically. This person, for 20 to minutes to half hour once a month, cuts my hair. And so I got to know Rhonda really well. Went to the same place. I liked the way she cut my hair, but I talked to her week after, or month after month. And, I, and she knew I was a pastor. I remember after knowing her, she'd start to open her heart to me, tell me about her life, you know, because she knew me. And I remember when she went through a crisis and she opened up and, again, I was able to minister to her. And she actually sent her boyfriend to come and see me, go see Pastor Ian because... You know, and he came to meet with me because they were having issues. But that's because she cut my hair. It's just because I talked to her, built relationship. Like, so simple, right? I, the same thing's happening here in Calgary. I have the same haircutter now, probably for the last three years, maybe four, that I go to almost once a month, right? So two times ago, not this time, but the last time, she opens her heart. And tells me about her past. She tells me about something she probably doesn't talk to anyone about. I'm sure. And I mean, I felt like when she was telling me, I thought, this is like holy ground. Like, I feel privileged that she, but she trusts me because she's known me for years when she cuts my hair. And we talk. And I've, you know, I've shown encouragement. And so she shared something with me that was very personal. And I know how to pray for her. And you know, I, I just am believing. She knows I'm a Christian. She knows I've shared the gospel. But I'm just saying something is happening over time. And so do you, do you understand what I'm saying here? Like if we think, if we're strategic, if we look at every opportunity, we can have impact. Even with the person cutting your hair or whoever you deal with. I, I think of my wife who, you know, gives away the Tim Hortons cards. We've talked about that before to people that she just senses God wants to bless them. So she'll give them, you know, a $5 Tim's card and writes inside, you know, just showing you Jesus love and that he cares for you. And you know, she might put our church name and whatever and just gives them the card. Well, as a result of that, there's actually someone attending this church here, her and her husband, because of that. Uh, this person got saved because of that, because of the connection that drew in over time. I mean, simple as a Tim Hortons card, simple as seeing that person at the counter, simple as that cashier at the, at the store that you see all the time. Like, but, but it's not work. It's not like, oh, I got to do this. It freaks me out. No, it's just what, what opportunities God give me? What, what way can I just invest? What, what can I do on an ongoing basis? Those are the things we need to keep in mind and not be distracted. You know, I think, I think back, too, to one of our neighbors is moving today. And it's sad because we're going to miss them. 
Um, one thing we're thankful about, though, is that we've had a chance to talk to him and share with him over time. And one time, I, I think I have shared this story as well, I, I was out front, and he um, was walking along the road, and he was distraught. And uh, he'd, he'd been drinking, and he has some tough things in his life. And so as I was heading to my van to fix my van, again, I'm very focused, right? It's van fixing time, Ian. Let's focus on getting this done. But as I'm going out to do this, he kind of staggers by. And I sense God say, you know, you, you need to talk to him. So I put aside what I'm doing, thank the Lord, trying to learn, and went out and said, hey, how are you doing? Well, he ended up pouring his heart out to me. And we ended up sitting on my porch, my deck that day. And I ended up sharing the gospel with him, praying with him, because it was an open door God gave me. And thankfully, that's what the father was doing. And thankfully, I was paying attention. And now he's moving today. But you know what? I'm believing God's going to put other people in his life. I'm believing God's going to continue to minister to him as he moves forward. So I just want to encourage you today. Very, very simple message. And I think could be profound in our lives if we just think about it. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to, you know, restore Israel again and the Jewish people and overthrow the Romans? And are you going to do that? I'm really concerned. He says, I got that in control. Days and times are in my hands, but you will receive power. And so when the Holy Spirit came and empowered his people on the day of Pentecost, we have to remember that the primary reason, remember this, folks, the primary reason he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us was for us to be witnesses, right? Because that's what he told his disciples. And actually, elsewhere, it's recorded that when he left the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. So we were empowered. We've received the Holy Spirit. We've been brought into his family with a mission, which is to be a witness. You know what the cool part of being a witness is? It just means I tell people what I've seen in my own life. Isn't that what a witness is? When you call a witness to a, to a jury in a trial, what, what are you calling? You're saying, you're, you're asking them just to prove that what's going on is true. You're just saying, what did you see that day? What, what happened to you? Can you be a witness to this crime, right? You're a witness. Well, when we're a witness for Jesus, all we're doing, folks, is just telling people what he means to us, telling people what he's done in our lives, and just letting God produce the results. That's all we're doing. He just said, be a witness. When I give you opportunity, just go and be a witness. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So I want to encourage you with that today. Be a witness. God's given you power. He promises to empower you. You know, one thing I've realized is that when sometimes these opportunities to share have come up at times when I felt less than ideal. Anybody ever been there? Didn't feel spiritual. Didn't even feel like, man, this has been a rough week, rough day. I don't even feel like, you know, I'm connected to God. Like sometimes it's just been rough. And then there's this opportunity to, to bless somebody. And and as I've stepped beyond my own pain, my own weariness, my own problems, my own issues, and chose to share with somebody, pray with somebody, what happened? I was empowered. You ever found that? All of a sudden, by turning my focus away from all my issues, I suddenly felt invigorated. 
And God flowed through my life and touched that person. And I was blessed at the same time. See, part of, part of the reason I think we get weary as Christians and we get tired and we wonder is that there's not enough of this in our lives. There's not enough of this. There's not enough of God use me. There's not enough of I'm on an adventure. Even though I have this job that I go to every day and it's the same people or I live on the same street or I go to the same hairdresser or whatever it is, God's saying, yeah, but I'll do something in that job. I'll do something on that street. I'll do something with your family if you let me, if you're engaged with me. So here's some quick action steps. Picture a really nice graphic that says action steps because I had one. Anyway, here, here it is. How can you be more available to the Holy Spirit's prompting on a daily basis? This is a question for you. How could you be more available? What might that mean for you? How could you listen to him and spend time with him? What, second, who is in your sphere of influence, family, work, neighbors, that you can begin praying for and asking God to give you opportunities? You know, I think that that's like a really first step. Start praying for those people. Say, God, these are the people in my orbit, and uh, I need to pray for them. You know, one thing my wife uh, noticed is that, you know, in this church, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of the gifts is speaking in tongues. We believe in that. We believe that God will fill us with his spirit, and he gives us a prayer language that we can use to pray to him, and, and it's perfect prayer. And so my wife noticed that when she used her prayer language and, and kind of practiced it and was just really pushing into it, that all of a sudden God was opening doors. Now, if you think about it, let, let's just process maybe why that's the case. If, if praying in your prayer language is praying according to the Holy Spirit's will, what is the Holy Spirit's will? What, what is his will? Well, I think Jesus shows it. Go into all the world and be a witness, right? So the Holy Spirit's will is that everyone would come to know Jesus, that everyone would receive Christ, that, that everyone would hear. So if we pray... Do you hear me on this? I'm getting kind of excited. I just hope you are. But if you're not, I'll just have my own party. But, but here's the thing. If we pray with, our, with the Holy Spirit's gifting and his will, according to that language, we're going to be praying for other people. We're going to be praying for opportunities. And so my wife noticed that as she started doing this more, God started opening more opportunities for her to share her faith. Just found it happening. So I want to encourage you. Maybe that's a thought for you. And then... Lastly, maybe God can use you this Easter. And I mentioned this before. And one of the things we're going to do at Easter is we're going to do a little different thing this year. We're calling it Life Stories Rising from Death to Life. Life Stories Rising from Death to Life. Easter is all about resurrection, right? Jesus' resurrection. So here's what we want to do. We want to actually have some practical stories from people in our church about how in their life, they've experienced the power of God and been resurrected, right? Maybe they're in a really tough situation. Maybe, you know, their marriage was tough. Maybe, who knows? And then God touched them, and they now have a resurrected life. So we want to hear stories, and then I'm going to round it out by talking about the gospel and what Jesus did on the cross and give people an opportunity to respond. Can I encourage you with something? I encourage you to pray and see if there might be someone that you would, that would come. You know, my wife and I are doing that. We're looking, and I'll say this. It's fine to say it here, but we actually have Hindu friends that might come. <laughs> Hindu friends that we hang with, that we actually have been at their house, they've been at our house, 
And so they might come, which would just be amazing. Uh, we've talked about religion. We've compared religions. But they might come on Easter. So I want to encourage you. This is an opportunity to hear real-life stories from people about change, right? And hear the gospel. And I think it's a very easy entry-level way for our friends. And that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.